the new year. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strengths. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. They you won't define me, cause that's what the Father does. They you won't define me, cause that's what the Father does. your shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the father's house arrival's not the end game the journey's where you are never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over, yet the story isn't good. is never final when the Father's in the room. And is never final when the Father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. your shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the father's house prodigals come home the helpless find hope Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. Love is on the move when the Father's in the room. Miracles take place and the cynical find faith. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking, and strongholds now are shaking, and love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Yeah, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check 
your shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's house Lord, we just come to you this morning We want to thank you for who you are God, we thank you you are in this house today And we thank you that you are in every place Where people have met to worship you today God, we just want to lift you up We want to praise you God, we just thank you for how awesome you are and how good you are to us. Lord, I pray for Brother Larry as he comes in a little while to deliver your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up.
What a joy it is to be with you at First General Baptist today. Daryl uh, asked me about two months ago, said, would you preach for me sometime? And I said, yeah, I think it shocked him that I said yes. Uh, I know a lot of you. I know some of your faces. I can't put a name to you, but I know a lot of you. I worked with some of you at Singer years ago. I worked with uh, your parents at Singer years ago. As a matter of fact, I worked there three or four times. Uh, maybe you don't know, Jake Nance was, uh, he was uh, kind of a brother-in-law. Uh, my oldest brother married his sister, Doris. And we moved back here from Cahokia, Illinois. And uh, if I needed a job, I'd, I'd work different places. I worked on the farm, did a lot of different things. But if I needed a job, I'd call Jake and he'd say, come in. And he always got me a good job, a crew leader's job, at least three or four times until I finally left and uh, moved away from Truman. And I miss those days, though. I miss those days. And uh, we've lost a lot of people since then. I pray that the year 2022 will be one of the best years we've had. We, we let Satan take so much from us. God is, God is wanting us to follow him, to lean on him, to trust him. A lot of people are not in this day and time. 
thought I forgot my Bible. I didn't. It's right here. Uh, Daniel asked me if I wanted a handheld mic, and I said no. And the reason is that I have a benign tremor. It's not Parkinson's, but I'd probably knock my teeth out if I tried to hold a, uh, a microphone in, in my face. Um, I got partials, and I don't want to have to get new ones. Let me, let me just tell you, if you get through listening before I get through talking, you're welcome to leave. That's happened in two Baptist churches. I pastored Bowman out of Lake City back in the late 70s. We had two guys, brothers. They set up close to the front during worship service. They took their shoes off. At 12 o'clock, they put their shoes on. I don't care what was happening. They left the building at 12 o'clock. I went to Painway at Corners Chapel Baptist. There was a guy down there, uh, Bob is his name, but he was a young guy, went in the Navy many years ago. Uh, brilliant, brilliant young man. Somebody drugged him. They spiked a Coke that he was drinking, and it just messed his mind up terrible. And uh, they gave him a medical discharge. But when uh, I was preaching at Corners Chapel, Come 12 o'clock, he got up, he went to the doors back there, kicked his heels together, and he saluted me. He was out of there. Come 12 o'clock. So uh, that's happened before. So if you get through listening before I get through talking, you're welcome to leave. Um, I'd like to call a bunch of your names because I know you've been friends through the years. Some of you I've known a lot longer than others, but I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and uh, you allowing Daryl to give me that invitation to come. I, I told Rosemary a moment ago, and I, I tell this, I'm, I'm doing pulpit supply now. But uh, usually the pastor gets the worst preacher that he can find to preach when he leaves town. So you'll know how good he is when he comes back. Daryl, I got acquainted with Daryl 15 years ago when Marilyn and I moved back here from Clinton. We'd been up there for 19 years serving the Lord and moved back here. And uh, I got acquainted with Daryl through Ministerial Alliance. He was our secretary treasurer at that time. And uh, there was a connection right there. I knew that I loved, loved this guy. I liked this guy. There was something about him that just drew me to him. And I appreciate him so very much in this church. And I commend you. Over the years, and I think, uh, uh, Rush, you said this was 24 years that y'all have been feeding the Christmas dinner, and I, was, I commend you for doing that. And I told him, next year, Mary Lynn and I are going to get involved and help you. We should have already been involved. We've tried to provide things through our church, but uh, we want to get involved. We want to get rid of our family coming over every Christmas, <laughs> and we want, to be with, we want to be with your family. We do. If you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 14, I'm going to talk about Caleb this morning. Joshua chapter 14, verses uh, 6 through 13. Let me find it. Okay. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of uh, Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea 
to espy out the land, and I, I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, he said, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm 45 now. But he said, I'm, I'm, I feel as good as I did when I was 40 years of age. I'm as strong now as I was then, in the day of Moses when he sent me, my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou hearest in that day how the Anakims were there in the land, their cities were great, they were fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephthah, uh, in Hebron for an inheritance. Father God in heaven, again, I pray that your blessing be upon the reading of your word, that we might absorb it, that it might sink into my, our minds, ears, and hearts, and we might be obedient to do all that you've asked us to do. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Christ's name. Amen. A lot of folks in society today, because of the pandemic that's hit us, uh, have kindly given up on life. They, they feel defeated. They feel that there's not a lot worth living for anymore. And if they're not a child of God, certainly they can feel that way. But as God's people, we ought to feel rejuvenated. We ought to feel that we're in the presence of God, that God wants us to move out for him and claim that land that Satan has taken from us. And that's what Caleb's going to do here. Every place his foot set steps, God told him, I'm going to give that to you. That's going to be yours for an inheritance. You know, a lot of people are like a boxer. Uh, he's in the ring, he's been beaten down, he's been hit so many times so hard, and he's waiting for that knockout blow, and he's, I'm, I'm just going to throw in the towel, I'm going to get through with it. Now, God's going to call us home one of these days, Now I'm looking forward, the older I get, the more I look forward to that CA. CA. Uh, every day I pray, even so come Lord Jesus, not because I'm living a defeated life and I just want to get out of this life, I know God, whatever God has is a lot better than what I have down here. There's more of me in heaven now than there is down here with our family. So I'm looking forward to that time when God says, son, go get my children. Get them out of that mess they're in down there. And dear friend, we're in a mess in America, in our world today. We're seeing things like we never dreamed of. Ten years ago, I would not have dreamed things are happening like they're happening today. God wants us to leave like the Apostle Paul. He said in 2 Timothy, I have finished my fight. I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight. And, and I'm going to receive that crown that God has in store for me up there. Remember Jerry Clower. He talked about his Uncle Bercy. Uncle Bercy had an old mule named Della. One day Della fell into a cistern that Uncle Bercy thought he had filled up, but he hadn't. And uh, he thought about ways to get, uh, get Della out of that system, but there was no way. 
And he thought well, she, she's going to starve herself to death, going to die a horrible death down in that cistern. So he decided to do something to help. And he, he had a load of dirt hauled in. And he said, I'll just begin to shovel her up. I'll just shovel this dirt down there and cover her up. And she'll die faster than just starving to death in an inhumane way. So he began to throw shovels of dirt down there. Well, Della, she'd take that dirt off her back and she'd stomp it. He kept doing that so many times that finally there was enough dirt that Della jumped out of that cistern and, and went on to live a good life. You know, we're like that mule. Either, either these burdens, these heartaches, these setbacks, they're going to bury us or we can rise above those things and, and do what God wants us to do. Now, we can be thankful in God's Word. There's examples for us to follow. If I can get my shaky hands to be able to. God wants us to follow Him and live a victorious life, a life that, that is pleasing totally to Him. And I think an example in the Scriptures, this man that I talked about just a moment ago, Caleb, uh, was wholly committed to follow the Lord and everything that he wanted to do. You know, he had a ringside seat in some of the great things that took place. Caleb was there when God parted the Red Sea and let Israel come out of Egypt. Caleb was there when, when God fed Israel in the, in the wilderness 40 years there with manna from above. He was there when God led them by a cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. He was one of the 12 spies that Moses had sent out to spy out the land. You know, his life is associated with entering in the land of Israel, Israel going into the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now, they had spent, we know, 400 years in bondage there, and God's leading them into the promised land because God promised them. And I know there, there are nations that have tried to destroy Israel, take that... God gave them a title deed to Israel. It belongs to them, and God's going to fight for them. Anybody takes it, tries to take it away from them. In Numbers chapter uh, 13, the first two verses in the book of Numbers, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, uh, in, that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I have given unto them, the children of Israel, one of every tribe. See, before they were allowed to go into the promised land, God told them, told Moses to pick out a, a man from each tribe, 12 men, and go spy out the land. God, God promised to go in and fight the battles ahead of them. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, he said, go spy out the land. And they did as God told them to do, but when the spies came back, 10 of them responded, how many of God's people says the same thing? I don't care what God said, we can't do it. I don't care what God says, I'm not going to do it. We're on dangerous ground if we say something to God like that. We're on very dangerous ground as God's people say, we, we can't do it when God says you can do it and I'm going to be with you. Well, we know that Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we're well able. And these others said, they're giants in the land. They're bigger than us. They'll kill us. They'll destroy us. Caleb and Joshua said, we can do it. We can do it. We ought to go in immediately, he said, and do it. You know, Israel chose to believe the majority report. The majority is not always right. I never will forget mother and daddy. If, if I got in trouble following somebody, and they got in trouble. And we didn't have telephone when I went to central school over there. But mother 
she would always find out about it before I got home. And they'd say, you know, if they jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? No. Well, quit following. The majority is not always right. But Israel chose to believe the majority report. There's ten spies, and so it displeased God, and they spent the next 40 years in the wilderness, didn't get to go across into the promised land like Joshua and Caleb. But when they came to the promised land, they saw what the ten saw, but they saw it through the eyes of faith. You know, a lot of you women, I'm, I miss the old Indian mall at Jonesboro. We lived at Clinton. We'd go to Little Rock a lot and go to the mall there, merely go to the shops. I always found a bench to sit on, and somebody come sit there. I'd strike up a conversation with them, find out where they're from. You know, if they knew the Lord or not, they attend church in the place they live or something. And, uh, but merely would go window shopping. And I'd say, she's indecisive. She's very indecisive. I should have bought that dress after we leave the store, but I'll go back later and get it. When she went back later and got it, it wasn't there. It was gone. And I said, Merely, why do you window shop? Why do you, you call it shopping, but you don't buy anything? She said, why do you call it fishing, but you don't ever catch anything? <laughs> you know, same thing, isn't it? Same thing. We have to be careful what we're looking for. I've, uh, there it is. Man, I, I was going to get through fast in here if, y'all, if I didn't find that. Wow. Anyway, you see why I had to have something to lay my notes on? As Christians, we need to do more than window shopping with God's promises. We need to appropriate those promises that God has made. And I want us to look, two things I want to share with you about this man, Caleb. 85-year-old, God gave him that land. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, this is the key to Caleb's success, was God had all of Caleb. Not part of him, but he was totally sold out to God. Every fiber, every nerve, every being of it. It is said of Caleb six times in the Old Testament, this man wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed God six times. Uh, you know, and, and that, that phrase, wholly followed the Lord, in the Old Testament, it meant to close the gap. Now, you guys that hunt, and uh, you, you're, you're out there, I'm not talking about a tree stand or something, but you're out there on the ground hunting, and uh, you're following the prey, you're you're going after that prey and, and you're closing the gap in on him and trying to get him to a place that he can't escape. And so you're closing the gap. You're stalking your prey. It refers to the fact that Caleb was committed to keeping the distance between him and himself and the Lord at a minimum. He wasn't going, he wasn't going to get away from God. And he, didn't, he didn't want to walk off and leave God. But every inch, every ounce, every nerve, every fiber of his being belonged to God. You know, each day we're going to determine how close we want to live to the Lord. There's, there's days I get up and I don't feel like serving the Lord. There's days that I just don't feel like doing anything for God. But I need to every day I get up want to know what, God, what, 
What's, what's going to happen today? What are we going to do today? What do you have in store for me today? In Joshua chapter, or in James chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. You know, a lot of people, I've heard them in our churches over the years say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, he won't. You know what you got to do first? Submit to God. People leave that part out. If we don't submit to God, we can't resist the devil. He's going to get us. He's going to dog every, every step of our way. He's going to be after us each and every day. we got to draw nigh to God first. And the Bible says he will draw nigh to you if we draw nigh to God. You know, some choose to live close to God every day. They pray about every decision that's to be made. Uh, they, they're careful to guard their thoughts. They're careful to guard the words that come from their mouths. And this is a sensible and reasonable thing to do. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, reasonable, acceptable, in light of the fact of what God has done for us, what Jesus did on the cross, shedding his blood, dying in my place. Taking my place on Calvary's cross. All that he went through. The least I can do is to live daily for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul said, I beseech you that you do this every day. Caleb was totally committed to God. He made no provision for failure. When Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, he took a bold and decisive step to ensure uh, success in his military ventures. He had, the, he had all of his soldiers to go to the cliff and look over the, the cliffs down below, the ocean, the, the body of water down below. And as they went and looked over, every ship that had brought them to Britain was on fire. It was burning. He had told them, we're not going back. We're here for the long haul. All these boats were engulfed with flames, and Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that these soldiers were uh, unable to return to the continent, there was nothing left for them to do but to advance forward. And that's, that's what God wants us to do in this year of 2022, advance forward for his cause, claim new territory for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Too many Christians have left let themselves some sort of an escape. You know, I'm not going to burn all my bridges. I might, be, I might want to go back to that old way of life. That's what Peter said, didn't he? He said, I know how to fish. I'll just go back to fishing when it's all over. We need to burn every bridge that leads back to that old life. Some of you may need to go home and get rid of some filthy magazines that's full of pornography and everything else. Some of you may need to go uh, change the channels Block those channels off your television that shows profanity and nudity on those, on those channels. We need to get rid of things like that out of our lives if we're going to wholly follow the Lord God. We need to set our minds to the task of conquering our Canaan land. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read it for you anyway. Uh, First, first, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Listen, listen to what God said. This is the promise from God. God has so many promises for his children. We need to claim those promises. In, in uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, 
for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. So many people are fearful to, of this COVID today, and rightly so. Uh, you know, I, I'm, in the beginning, I said, I'm not going to take a shot. I'm not going to take a vac vaccination. I, I read some years uh, prior to all this coming upon our world that this was going to be a man-made thing, and there were some people behind it that was going to see. I don't know if they're trying to get rid of part of our population or what they're trying to do, but I made up my mind because at that time that I read that, they wanted to chip your hand. And I said, I'm not taking a chip. I'm not taking a mark where they can scan your hand to see if you've had that vaccine or not. That's what they wanted to do in the beginning. Uh, it's a fear thing among God's people. God says, fear not. Fear not. Behold, I'm with you. He says, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And then over in chapter 43 of Isaiah, verses 2 and 3. When thou passest through the waters, I'm going to be with you. When you go through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Who are we going to trust? Man, what man says? We're going to trust our government. We're going to trust God. I'm going to obey my government. I pray for, for our government leaders. We're, we're commanded to do that in God's Word. But if it violates God's Word, I'm going to obey God first of all. I'm going to follow God wholly in my life, if, I, if at all possible. President Eisenhower told this tale about an old farmer that uh, had a cow that another farmer wanted to buy. And he went over to visit this man that had the cow for sale. And he asked, he said, he asked about the cow's pedigree. Well, the old farmer didn't know anything about that. He had not heard anything about that. Just had this old cow. And uh, he wanted to know about the pedigree, though, and how much butterfat production, all that. He said, I don't have any idea about anything like that. Finally, he said, well, how many pounds of milk does she produce each year? The old farmer shook his head and said, you know, I don't know, but she's an honest old cow, and she's going to give you all the milk she's got. See, God's people need to be like that old cow. We need to give everything we have to the Lord. We, we need to be like Caleb every Every ounce of our being, our fiber, our nerve, everything about us ought to be sold out to the Lord and given to Him. Stories told about a, a hog or a pig and a chicken passing a Baptist church one day in a little country church. And uh, they were taking offerings to help one of the poorest families in the church. And uh, the old uh, chicken said to the pig, I, you know, I think we ought to give something. I want to give something for the good cause. This good cause. Pig said, now wait a minute. Chicken, if you give, it's a contribution. But if I give, it's total sacrifice. And I can't do that. Some of us do the same thing. Dwight L. Moody was saved at the age of 19. Dwight L. Moody heard a, an evangelist by the name of, of Henry Varley. And he, that, this evangelist said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and with a man that's wholly committed to God. And Dwight L. Moody said, by the grace of God, I will be that man. And God used him 
uneducated, uncultured as he was, God used him to rock two continents for his glory and for his honor. See, all of this comes down to this one truth. If we, like Caleb, Caleb will close the gap between ourselves and God, if we pursue God with everything about us, you know, he's going to do the same thing for us. We've got to know him personally, though. We've got to, we've got to know that, that he's the Savior of the world, that he died on the cross for my sins, your sins, that by faith we have accepted him, we've trusted him, we've thanked him for taking our place, and by faith we invite Jesus Christ into our heart and into our life. So that's Caleb's commitment. But lastly, we see Caleb's confidence. In Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, Caleb said, Now give me this mountain. Now what was it that gave this 85-year-old Caleb the idea that he could be a giant killer? Caleb had faith in God that he was going to be with him. He had faith in God's word. He said, If the Lord be with me, you know, we can beat those giants out. We can drive them out of the land. Now, I believe, I believe it absolutely thrills the Lord our God if he hears us. As we face these giants, God, I can, I can take that giant. With your help, I'm going to destroy that giant. With your help, I can beat that giant. Joshua and Caleb lived to see the doubters die off, but God kept them alive in Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. He said, God has kept me all these days of my life. God's been with me all these days of my life. Everyone that believed those ten spies doubted God's word, died. Not a, not a one of them got to go into the promised land. Why was Joshua and Caleb spared? I'm not going to read the verse, but if you will mark it down, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34 and 36 tells us why. Caleb had seen the promised land, and for 45 years, that bird, that, that, that burned into his heart that he wanted this place that God had promised to him. Uh, as they wandered through the wilderness, others complained. Caleb looked for that mountain where the milk and honey flowed, where the grapes of Eshkel grow. See, I, I can see Caleb, 85-year-old man, climbing that mountain. He said, I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40 years of age, and I'm climbing this mountain with a sword in one hand and a deed in the other hand, that this mountain was what God had given him. And I think he was singing. I can't sing. My voice changed years ago, started cracking and crackling, and I, I, I can't sing anymore. I wish I could. But he said, I want that mountain, I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Eskel grow. I want that mountain, I want that mountain, the mountain that the Lord has given me. Caleb claimed it by faith in God, that God gave him this, this mountain. See, faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not optimism. Faith is not looking at the bright side. Faith is not begging. Faith is not selling something and calling get, living by faith. Faith is simply acting on what God's word tells us to do and has commanded us to do. We need to act upon that. You know, it never ceases to amaze me, these television preachers, and there's two or three that I like and I watch on television. But most of the time, they're begging for money. They're begging for something. They're always wanting something. They're begging for money. They're not living by faith. They're, they're beggars. They're beggars. They're constantly begging for money. They call it living by faith. 
But that's not living by faith. They're living by begging over and over again. And faith has nothing to do with it. It's all about begging. Faith is not begging. Faith is believing in God that he's going to keep his promises. George Mueller, I'm sure you've read about him, know about him, uh, in Bristol, England. He cared for 10,024 orphans over his lifetime. He was known for providing an education for all these children under his care to the point that, that he was accused of raising the poor above their natural station in life. He established 117 schools. In the back of my mind, I'm trying to think about what I've read about George Mueller before he came to know the Lord. If I've got the right man, I should have looked it up. But he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. Uh, he got word that his, from his wife that their, their baby boy was dying. And uh, she gave him a little money, just enough to go get some medicine. Well, as soon as he got out of the house with that little bit of money, he got another bottle. Time he got back home, the baby had died. And bent over the coffin of that little baby, he was crying and weeping. And the urge to drink so overwhelmed him that he reached inside and took the little shoes off of that baby and went and sold them for another bottle. But God got a hold of him. God changed his life. God brought him new life. But he established 117 schools which offered Christian education to 120,000 children, many of them orphans. He raised millions of dollars for these orphanages. He never asked man for one dime. Everything he got, he went to God in prayer with. He prayed to God to supply his needs. Never one time in his life did he ask for assistance from any man or any organization. And, and this is the kind of faith the Bible teaches. This, this other stuff that we're today is man-made. They call it faith, but it's not. Captain of an ocean streamer tells that on one occasion, his ship was engulfed in a dense fog off the coast of Newfoundland. It was on a Wednesday evening, and the captain had been on the bridge for 24 hours straight in that dense fog. When somebody came up behind him, tapped him on the shoulder, startled him, he turned and saw that it was one of his passengers by the name of George Mueller. Mueller said to the captain, I've got to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. And the captain said, that's impossible. There's no way we can get through this fog. There's no way that we can make it. There's a, it's impossible. And Mueller suggested to the captain, he said, I'll tell you what, let's go down into the chart room and, and pray about this. Captain was skeptical of that, but he followed Mueller down into the chart room. First, he said, I'm not going to do it. But finally, he did. He said, we're going to pray. Mueller got down on his knees and prayed. Oh, Lord, if it's consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. Thou knowest the engagement thou didst make for me in Quebec. For Saturday, I believe it is thy will. After Mueller prayed, the captain 
began to pray. And Mueller said, you don't need to pray. The fog's gone. They went outside. The fog had completely disappeared. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith, faith is more than saying that we believe in something. It's acting upon what we believe. He had, Mueller had great faith in God to believe that what God had promised him he was going to do in his life, he was going to carry through with it. Some say faith is, is taking a blind leap. It's not, that's not faith. It's a deep, settled conviction that God is going to do what he's promised to do for each of us. Caleb was allowed to enter the promised land when all the doubters had died and fled. Let me close with this illustration. Derek Redman, a British runner, participated in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Barely into the 400-meter race, he pulled a hamstring and fell to the ground. Everyone expected him to come off the course. He was finished. No way could he finish that race. But much to the surprise of the spectators, this courageous athlete slowly stood up and he began to hobble around the track. Even with such tenacity, it was apparent there was, there was no way he could finish this race. Just as he was about to fall down again, there was a man that came out of the stands and got his arm and put it over his shoulder and he lifted him up. The stadium roared with approval as Derek Redman completed his race. This scene was a moving one made even more significant by the realization that it was Derek's own dad that had come out of the stands to help his son finish that race. Together, linked arm in arm, father and son, they crossed the finish line as one. See, when we're facing the giants of life, we're in danger of falling. The Lord Jesus comes alongside. He holds us up. He's our stay. That's why we sing that old song, I'm learning to lean, leaning on the everlasting arms. We're leaning on Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, are you one that can call God your heavenly Father? Are you one that has received Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life as Savior and Lord of your life? If not, I'm, I'm going to ask you during this time of invitation, our musicians are going to come. We're going to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'll stand with us, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. I'll be down here at the front. There's deacons, leaders in this church that would meet you down here to pray. The altar's open for you to come. What better way to start this new year? Start it with God. Start it with, with Him being number one in your life. And you're going to be obedient to follow Him. Maybe you need to come in rededication, recommitment of your life. Your life's not counted much in 2021. You had a lot of doubts. You had a lot of heartaches, a lot of setbacks. Just trust Him. Trust Him today. I'm looking for a better day. I'm looking for tomorrow that he's going to be with me. But I pray every day in my prayer 
I pray every day, even so come Lord Jesus. Text to be with you, which is far better. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I'm looking for him, but he, I don't want him to come right now. He messed up my plans. I've got things planned for this next year. I got business endeavors. I got, I got a lot of things I've already charted out, planned. Do they include God? He ought to be first in our life. God, whatever your will is, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to you. Would you come this morning trusting him as Savior and Lord of your life, coming in recommitment of your life? I don't know of a better church in this area if you're looking for a church home. I don't know of a better church or pastor or people, a group of people that would love you any more than these people right here would love you and pray for you and accept you in into the, this family here at First General Baptist. You need to come this morning. Start this year off right with God. Put him first. Father God in heaven, as we bow in your presence, Heavenly Father, we come to this time of invitation. Speak to hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit that you've done spoke to their hearts already. And they know what you want them to do, Heavenly Father, and help them to be obedient, to step out on your promises, that you'll never leave them, you'll never forsake them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust him today. Lord, we trust you with our life. We've trusted you all these years. We've let you down. I've let you down so many times, but you've never let me down one time. Lord, you're always there when I come back. Help me this day, Lord. Help each of us to be obedient, to follow your will and way for our lives. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Would you come, Brady? There's a definite decision that you need to make for the Lord. You have an opportunity to do that right now. Would you come? Just step out from where you're standing. Step out on faith. Step out for the Lord Jesus Christ. I put it off. I've waited. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do it today. You've got me here In for a purpose. I'm going to do it right now. Just trust Him. Just let go and let God. Would you come? In your among people, these are God's people that love you, will pray for you, will encourage you. Would you come right now? Just let go and let God. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all Take the world, but give me Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. You claim his promise right now that he'll be with you. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And when I am alone, yes, when I am alone, and when I am alone, give me Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, Amen. Give me just Jesus. give me Jesus.
Thank you, Grady. Rusty, I'm going to turn this service.